Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Alana Macover, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in London, England. Uh, Alana is also a childbirth educator and a doula, and she teaches Utopia classes, which are based on the Alexander Technique, designed to prepare women for childbirth. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how the Alexander Technique can be helpful for women who are pregnant. If we have time, we'll cover childbirth, but I have a feeling that's going to be a second interview. Uh, Alana, welcome to the show. Hello, Robert. Alana, could you begin by j- just sharing with our listeners a very short description of the of the Alexander technique, one that you might say to someone if you were riding on the bus and they asked you what you were doing, uh, just a short short description of the technique. Well, I'll first of all I'll tell them that it is a method of self help. That we teach people um, a form or a way in which they can use themselves according to what we understand as our design. And um, I will tell them that it's about undoing a pattern of habits um, that we we all acquire for some reason. And if they ask me, what do I mean by that, which they do usually, I tell them that for some reason, we all interfere with our head-neck-back relationship. And then they probably raise an eyebrow and I say to them, look, now as we are just sitting on the bus, uh, do you have you got any idea how, what is the weight of your head? how heavy it is in relation to your body. And people have no idea whatsoever. So I tell them that it's actually very heavy and that we are not meant to either hold it or flop it, but that we have an ability to let it just be there in a state of balance And that this is our design, because in this relationship between the head and the neck and the back, we have something that if they like, we can call it some kind of perhaps an anti-gravity mechanism that allows the head this balance and that we should let this balance be there all the time and not interfere with it in movement. And then, of course, they are very intrigued. And I tell them that for some reason, we all interfere with this balance in, for some reason in movement. Um, if, if it is a student that comes to me for a first lesson, It's very easy, actually. On a bus, I wouldn't dare to put my hands on people. We just talk. But if a student comes in the first lesson and they also know very little often, if I just put my hand on their neck and I ask them to walk with me a little bit, to sit down, 
to get up, to pick up an object, to reach toward an object. And I just ask them to notice what is happening in their neck. And then we bring it to still. And I ask them to stop what they were doing. And lo and behold, the neck muscles usually relax. Not that we don't, we can't hold them in a, just while we are standing. Of course we can, but it is a lesser degree. And for the novice, there is a great difference. We can feel the tension even behind, but for a novice, they don't. They usually are amazed at how much they, they notice the activity of the neck muscles while they were moving. And that when they stopped the movement, they noticed that it became a little bit more quiet. I'd like to pick up on, on that business of how much your uh, person's head weighs. I think for most people, it's somewhere in the 10 to 12 pound range. And um, when I'm teaching new students or doing a workshop, I like to pass around a, a plastic bag with three, uh, four pound bags of sugar in it. That's kind of a standard measurement here. And almost everyone is absolutely astonished by that weight. And, and uh, as you say, how you manage that weight on top of your spine has, has um, uh, pretty big implications for everything else in your body. And I think that would be a nice segue into the whole question of pregnancy. Uh, I think at first glance, a woman who is pregnant might think, well, what has my head got to do with how I stand and sit and move while I'm pregnant? So how, how, would, you, how would you answer that question? <laughs> well, I will first of all tell her that it is through the le learning process of not interference her whole being will be different. I show her that when she contracts her neck in the activity, it is not the only thing that happens, that it creates pressure on the whole spine. Um, usually, if, when, we, when we do that, uh, if, for instance, in standing, it is often that the knees are locked and that the whole of the curvature of the spine is exaggerated. And then when it becomes exaggerated and with the growth of the uterus as a result of, you know, the baby growing and developing in, in the uterus, it, she will start to push the whole, the whole of her belly will be pushed forward and will create an enormous amount of pressure on her lower back. Mm -hmm. And you often uh, will see uh, women who are pregnant um, uh, quite severely arching their, their lower back, as you say, to, to remain in an upright position. But, but you're suggesting that maybe there's a better approach to that? Yes, that's exactly what I do. Uh -huh. To be honest, the majority of pregnant women who arrive to me, 
they already arrived, unless they were students before, they already arrived when the aches and pains set in. Otherwise, they wouldn't come to you, right? <laughs> well, pro- maybe, maybe. Yeah. But the majority already. By now, many people come because they want to, because of the book that I've written, the articles that are all on the Internet. And thank you very much for advertising. I think mm-hmm. you were the first one to uh, to put one of my articles on the website. And I know a good I, I know a good thing when I see it. Yeah, and thank you very much. <laughs> no, that's sweet thank of you. you for writing but it. I got I got many requests through it, you know, even mm-hmm. by writing, by lots mm-hmm. of requests, mm-hmm. phone calls and um so they, some of them come because they have an idea that they would like to have a natural childbirth and they understand that or they were convinced by what I've written that the Alexander technique may help them. But the majority of of the pregnant women who arrive first time, they are in aches already. They are in pains, discomfort. They say, oh, it was fine until now. I felt reasonably well and suddenly, well, we know it's not sudden. Mm-hmm. It's uh, as as it grows and the use is bad, it just pushes the whole of the uterus forward instead of forward and up. Mm-hmm. Because you know when a woman is pregnant and her use is good, the the uterus wants to go forward and up. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'd like to pause here for a moment to to talk just very brief, briefly about that word use, because that's a a bit of an Alexander, um, it's a bit of terminology that may not make sense to our listeners. I, I would just I would say use is is basically your overall way of organizing yourself, and it could be good or it could be bad. Uh, maybe you have a more precise definition of it that relates particularly to pregnancy issues? Well, I tend to talk about movement mm-hmm. because we move all the time. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to people when I say you are not using yourself in movement. You're not using yourself well, sorry, mm-hmm. in movement. And it's to make sense to them. And, the, and meaning creating unnecessary tensions in your body sure. th- that aren't really needed for the movement, but have or have become habitual for one reason or another, and, and worse yet, that you're probably not aware of. That's exactly what I say, Robert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, and I'm, I am intrigued by your comment, because, uh, you know, obviously, um, I have never experienced uh, being pregnant. Um, but when you say the, the uterus, uh, in a sense, wants to move forward and up, um, what could you just elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. Um, if you... Uh, um, Imagine, you have to imagine for a moment having a uterus. We all can imagine it because I don't feel my uterus. And so we can all imagine it, yeah? Mm -hmm. 
and the uterus is lying in us above the, the cervix mm-hmm. and after conception as it starts the baby starts to grow and develop and with all the hormonal changes that occur the uterus start to lift up away from the cervix and it goes with the top of it towards forward and up towards the upper part of the abdomen that's what the system is that's, that's the how system. the system is designed to work you're saying exactly and but, if, but by pushing but by getting into a habit of um uh, arching your lower back to maintain an up, upright stance with all this weight this unfamiliar weight forward of of say your spine that then among other things prevents that upward movement or makes it yeah. more difficult yeah it doesn't uh-huh. go all the way up the way it should but it sort of stops at some point and protrude a little bit more forward and i would imagine that that in turn increases the likelihood of still more arching well because it, there's now be, even more weight even further more forward weight. yeah yeah right so and that's when yeah. the pressure becomes difficult mhm and and uh, and the aches and pains i mean sometimes i'm surprised that uh, the, the, uh, i look at women in the street and that they how they walk and how they move and i think they must be in terrible pain i mean it aches me mm-hmm. to just look at them and yet they carry on but you know we are trained not to listen to our body yes we all are we are trained not to listen and to accept some kind of aches and pains and part of life and discomfort and what what do you expect you are pregnant right so that those pains that you're talking about i'm i'm imagining that imagining that they come from two two interrelated sources one the actual internal pressure within your uh within your body because you're because you're not allowing uh the fetus to m- the l- move up the way it's designed to but i would think the other sources of pain could be this uh mal adaptation of your standing and sitting and moving posture which puts all kinds of strange pressures on your legs your knees your ankles your whole body really indeed so it's really too i i had never i i um again not having been pregnant i i've always assumed it was primarily a, a, a postural issue and i had not ever um thought about that first thing that you mentioned that uh preventing that natural upward movement of the fetus it's not it's not the fetus it's the, the whole uterus the whole uterus I mean, okay right forward and up uh-huh. you see uh the baby will grow probably to its uh, according to its genetics and the, the and all zillions of things that are connected to each other to its 
probably optimal size in us, mm-hmm. whether we are using ourselves well or not. Mm-hmm. But it will really, if it is a nice big baby or just normal good size baby, um, it will be, uh, it will, it sort of create a kind of another pressure on us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will not prevent the baby from growing, if you see what I mean. Right. It right. will just make it more and more difficult for the mother if she doesn't adjust mm-hmm. to it. Because the wish, the, it's an inner wish of the uterus is to come forward and up. It sort of goes through a very slow movement of tilting you know, away from the cervix, upwards, forward and upwards. So when when a a pregnant woman comes to you uh, for for the the work that you do, um, I'm going to assume that one of the things you do is show them some very basic Alexander stuff about using yourself well, not pulling down uh, on yourself. But do you also work specifically with this, uh, with the, the, the failure of the uterus to, to move up as much as it might? Yes, I do, actually. You know, I, for it, it of course, it's very individual. Mm-hmm. And the degree of understanding and the degree of the... Uh, by the way, women, when they are pregnant, are very open. They are very open. They really... Uh, it, it, they are in a different state of mind than otherwise. But this is another issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the psychological effect of pregnancy that makes them like that is another issue. Mm-hmm. But they are open. My experience is very that they respond very well. A bit, and um, so, of course, I start with basic Alexander teaching. You know, mm-hmm. I show them the neck-head-back relationship. I just, you know, by releasing somebody away from the lower back sometimes, asking them to stop locking the knees and to follow the movement with the thought. And I explain to them that it is, it is them that have to change. I can guide them, but the change will be in them. And that is to some people are very appealing and to some not so much because they expect you to do it for them. Well, but that's, that's pretty it... much like most students, isn't it, yes, really? Yes, yeah. but that's something that I have to make clear very early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not me. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, everything that happens, happens in you. You right. have to think, you have to precede the activity with the thought. I explain to them about conscious control and about inhibition and, you know, what, what we explain in, normally in, a, in an Alexander lesson. Mm-hmm. But very, very early on, I take them into a monkey and I bring them to be on all fours. So um, just to pause here for a moment, a monkey is a, a sort of a modified standing position where your knees are forward, you're typically tilting your torso forward from your hips. That, that, is that how you would describe it? Yes, of yeah. course. Uh-huh. 
and not allowing the weight of the arm to pull you down and right. through the thought, mm-hmm. through the thought, not allowing the head. And actually, it's a nice way to show people how the primary control is or is active for us in wherever we are in space, mm-hmm. that even though we tilted the upper part of our body forward, the head can maintain its balance on the top of the spine. That surprises many people, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. when you show them that there is no need to interfere here just to maintain the balance. But one of the main, there the are two uh, important reasons why I do it. First of all, they really need to let go of the lower back and release it and allow a little bit more length and allow the, the arch to be in its tone rather than excessive mm-hmm. uh, um, curve. Mm-hmm. It has to come back to its tone. And by the way, we all of us are different in our structure. You know, some of us have got naturally uh, an arch that is a little bit more, that is more arch than other, as long as the arch is in tone. And what I mean in tone is that the discs between these five vertebras are just there filling well the space. Mm-hmm. Can you, you can visualize it, can't you? Because if you just think about an arch that between two columns, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. They can be, it can be a very nice, strong arch, uh, a lit- when it's a little bit more arched or when it is less arched, as long as the space between the five bricks in this case, mm-hmm. instead of the five vertebras, is just right there. Mm-hmm. And of course, a, a lot of the women coming to you, if they have been uh, overarching their backs to stand up straight, are are not going to be in that state. And so something like monkey, or as you say, p- having them go on all fours would be a good way to um, kind of re-familiarize themselves with a more natural arrangement in their back. Definitely. Yeah. And they feel immediate um, relief mm-hmm. when when you take them. Mm-hmm. And this has other apart from the well-being of the mother, this has two very important um, effects. I don't think the word effect is uh, right here. Consequence, maybe, Mm -hmm. on the baby. Mm -hmm. First of all, by releasing any excessive tension in the lower back, the vena cava, which is passes there, the vena cava is the main vein that goes back into the heart. And the, it passes through the lower back close to the lumbar area. And the moment there is less pressure on it, there is a better flow of blood in us. And that is nourishing for the baby. And the other reason for being a lot in the monkey and on all fours is to encourage the baby to settle in the optimal position for birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, 
Would you like to ask me what is the optimal position? Oh, well, sure. I, I, I absolutely would like to ask you that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope so. The optimal position for birth... Is a squat, right? <laughs> no. The no? optimal position of the baby. Oh, for the baby, for yeah. Mm-hmm. Not uh-huh. for the mother. Right. I was talking now about the baby. Right. For the mother, it's she's still pregnant and she's not about to give birth tomorrow. She just wants to change her movement in such a way that she will not create so much pressure on the lower back through the primary control, the inhibition and the directions. But what it does to the baby is is another important issue here. And that is, first of all, the more blood going into it, uh, so more oxygen. It helps in its its development. It doesn't deprive it of its its, um, its right. Mm-hmm. But also it encourages the baby to settle in the optimal position for birth. And this is an extremely important issue for us in the West, probably in the last 60, 70 years, more than it used to be before. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that... Um... This might be a good point to end this uh, podcast because we're going to do another one on childbirth where we might repeat a little bit of what you just said and then go into childbirth itself. Does that sound okay? Yes, it sounds okay. Uh, Perhaps I just want to say one word because we are going to move to, to childbirth is that while women are working with me, often in the last three or four months of their pregnancy, as I go with them through these very simple movements, I also prepare them mentally for the birth. I, in each lesson, I remind them that contractions are painful. Mm-hmm. and that we have to learn to cope with this pain and mm-hmm. that all that I will be teaching them is not to eliminate the pain because mm-hmm. it's there for good reason mm-hmm. but to cope with it in such a way that will allow the natural process of birth to happen and I really wanted to mention it early on because it is very important to understand. I don't want people to have um, wrong ideas about uh, uh, coming to have Alexander lessons and having a natural birth that will be painless. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing. Right. And, you know, I just, uh, I want to bring this conversation to an end fairly soon just because of time limitations. But a quick question uh do you would you advise a woman who is pregnant to uh have alexander lessons with with a teacher who is not particularly knowledgeable about um the kind of issues you've talked about but is a, a competent alexander teacher do you see an advantage in that for, for definitely women? definitely 
uh, it often happens that Alexander... Because there are not that many of you around. Of course. (laughs) I do train uh, Alexander teachers to to become, to be, to teach pregnant women and to prepare them for birth. And if they choose to be a doula, they can. Mm -hmm. But the majority of Alexander teachers want to... to work with pregnant women, but not necessarily to accompany them to the birth because it's an enormous commitment. Right, right. So being a doula is is an enormous commitment. Um, But what I want to tell you, and also if there are any other Alexander teachers who listen to these podcasts, that don't, not to hesitate to teach if there is nobody, you know, if there are, nobody who understands a little bit more about the issues, not to hesitate, to teach and to take my book. It will make much more sense to Alexander teachers than it than to the general public, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The book. Right. Because when an Alexander teacher reads these books, they know exactly what I mean. Whereas and, the and... general public who doesn't know who don't know anything about the Alexander Technique, well, maybe it intrigues them, hopefully, but it's got its limitations. Well, we'll be uh, be putting a link to your website by the interview. So I assume on your website there are links to to what all your writings. Is that correct? Yes. So... Um, I think uh, this might be a good point to bring the conversation to a close. Um, uh, my, my guest today has been Alana Macover, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in London, England, also a childbirth educator and, and a doula. And if anything that we've been talking about in this uh, interview intrigues you, and certainly if you live in London, uh, contact Alana. Her, as I say, we'll put a link to her website by the interview. And if you're anywhere else in the world, we'll put a link to a site that will uh, enable you to find a teacher in in your area. Uh, Alana, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. <laughs>